Hello and welcome to the latest installment of PSG Talking. I'm your host, Ed. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about today. There's been indictments. There's been threatening letters. We've got injuries, comebacks, losses, and potentially another team coming under Qatari ownership in the Premier League. Uh, There's a lot to get into. So let me just go ahead and bring in my podcasting partner, Ethan, from PSG Fan Club in Boise. Ethan, thanks for joining the show and before we get in, into everything I just talked about, you were recently in Paris for a couple of matches. What games did you see? How was the atmosphere? Kind of break down the uh, the starting lineups and, and what you saw from the stands there at the park. Yeah, hey, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, I was in uh, Europe, Western Europe, for two weeks. And during that, uh, I did attend my first ever Champions League match. I was at the, uh, I was at the park on Valentine's Day for the Bayern PSG game. And... Uh, yeah, the atmosphere. I'll, start, I'll just start with that one. So, uh, obviously, uh, we kind of knew that Mbappe wasn't going to be starting when we went into it, but um, I, I was still fairly optimistic. I was thinking, you know, I, I figured that Bayern would be a team that was going to press a lot, kind of like Marseille, and we saw how we we really missed um, we really missed Mbappe in that Marseille Cup match at the Velodrome uh, just like, a week or two prior. But I was still fairly optimistic. Uh, the atmosphere was really good. I was hoping that the uh, uh, OTL stand would have uh, flares and stuff like they did at the beginning of the year. You know, there's that that famous video that everyone likes to post from our first match, I think, against Juventus in September, um, just with the flares. I was hoping they'd have that, but uh, no, but they had a really nice, uh, really big TIFO. I think it, was a, it was an anime reference. I think it was a One Piece reference. I'm not an anime guy, but... I think I got the reference right there. <laughs> yeah, lost yeah. On that one. Uh, yeah. I, I don't, I don't watch any, but uh, the 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 TIFO was huge. It was super nice. Uh, I was on the opposite end of the stadium in the Boulogne stand, where there was another TIFO, and that one was also really nice. But the, the atmosphere is crazy. Uh, if you guys have never been to a Champions League match at the park, uh, you will get chills listening to the Champions League anthem. Uh, I know I did, and. It was pretty rowdy. I was with my uh, my best buddy, who is uh, he's a born and raised Parisian, and we went there and yeah. So game started off obviously first half was not great. I think we all saw that. Um, we were just really happy to be not losing at halftime and um, and the adjustments that we made in the second half. It's funny that as soon as we adjusted, as soon as we changed stuff up for the second half, uh, we immediately conceded like five minutes into the half. Just hilarious. I mean, not hilarious, but just the, the whole timing of it just seemed kind of ridiculous. As soon as we start doing things really well, we've conceded a goal. But overall, super fun game. If you have any any specifics you want to ask me, then then go ahead. But um, I don't want to waste too much time talking about each match. But yeah, very, very fun atmosphere. Super cool. 
um, like I said, first Champions League match I had ever attended at the park. And then I was at the 4-3 Lille comeback uh, just a week and a half ago, um, the one with uh, the messy 95th minute free kick winner. That was that was also super spicy. Um, pretty cool that I can say I've seen uh, Eminem all score in the same game. Although uh, that game's a little bit overshadowed now by the Neymar injury. So that is really rough. We know that he'll be out for uh, the Bayern match. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he's not going to play. There's no way. But um, I will say I've been to a lot of big sporting events. Uh, my I've been to a lot of games for my NFL team, and they've got a pretty rowdy fan base with a much bigger stadium than the park, which is just about 48,000 people. And I don't think I've ever heard an atmosphere as loud as the park on that messy free kick winner. So that was super, that was super fun. Yeah, I was uh, hugging random people that I didn't know. Uh, I was getting in on the chance. If actually for the Leal match, I was in the uh, I was in the stand with all the ultras in the thick of it. We were getting all rowdy, and uh, I, I got to learn a couple of the the chants. You know, my French isn't great, but my buddy was there to help me out. So overall, super fun. If you've never been to the park, you need to do it. There you go. Get yourself over to Paris. Um, let's go back to Bayern Munich's 1-0 win over PSG. That first half, I mean, I was just tweeting up a storm. It was about as poor of a performance from a PSG side that I've seen in several years. And we couldn't even get a hold of the ball. And then when we did, Bayern just pressed us and took it away. It was almost like a cat toying with a mouse. I mean, they were just playing with us in that first half. But, you know, then the goal came. Our, our old friend Kingsley Coman scores in the 53rd minute. And then Gaultier decides, okay, now we'll bring on Mbappe. And I'm just like, well, why didn't you bring him on at half instead of waiting, you know, whatever it was, six, seven minutes into the second half? Like, bring him out, bring him on at, at halftime because when we saw him come onto the pitch, it was a completely different game. Um, I'm sure you in the stadium, you probably felt the energy from the crowd when Mbappe coming, even when he was warming up, I, I saw videos of the crowd getting hyped for that. So talk about the energy in the stadium when Mbappe came on and was it as noticeable in the, in the stadium, the, the momentum change when Mbappe was on the pitch? Oh yeah, it was, it was instant. Uh, everyone was looking over from where I was at in the balloon stand. We were looking to the left. That's where the uh, player sideline was. And yeah, as soon as we saw Killian warming up, uh, just I think he started warming up just before the goal. I can't remember. No, he came on 60th minute, I think, or 55th. I don't know. can't remember. But when he started warming up, yeah, people were getting uh, were, were getting amped, and the atmosphere definitely uh, elevated. And then, yeah, when he came on, right off the bat, we had a uh, – I don't know who had the pass, but had a lofted through ball, and he kind of got to it. Nothing came of that chance, but just immediately it almost looked like our – best opportunity of the match just right off the bat and yeah it, it got pretty loud in there people were excited you know and this is another thing and some people will disagree with me on this but you know there's a debate between some people of oh you know who's the king of paris uh, i feel like you got to be a real uh, very new fan to argue it's messy but you know people argue between mbappe and neymar and i'll just say at least in the stadium and it's this shouldn't be surprising because he's you know, the hero of France, but just the the energy that people, you know, have when, when Mbappe gets the ball, when he, when he has one touch, it just, yeah, you can just feel it in the stadium. So 
yeah, that stadium loves killing Mbappe. Obviously, it's not a surprise, but um, yeah, it on the uh, from the stand, it was it was noticeable immediately. The the change, you know, the tactic changed. Um, I feel like. Yeah, just it, you know, the game wasn't completely centered on him. We moved it around a bit, but he and Messi have had this great partnership. Uh, you know, Messi name may not be able to to press or or anything or play, you know, contribute defensively, but his passing is still probably best in the world, and that shows when Mbappe is on the pitch. So, yeah, it was it was super fun. And not only uh, it seems like for Mbappe, Messi is his you know partner in crime. The, those two, we saw it against um, Marseille. Those two linked up for several goals and assists. But Nuno Mendes as well, I thought, especially against Bayern Munich, Mbappe only played half the game basically. But I thought Nuno Mendes could be up there for a man of the match as well. Those two were were linking up down the flank and creating all sorts of of problems for Bayern Munich's defense. And going into the return leg. It does give me some hope, um, but we'll we'll get into predictions and talking about that match. I do want to talk about um, Marseille. You and pretty much every other PSG fan were not allowed there because it just doesn't. What is it? we're going on like three, four years now where none of the ultras or PSG fans can go down to that stadium. So it was a three-nil win over rivals Marseille um, at the Stade Velodrome. PSG's second consecutive win since the defeat to Bayern Munich. We mentioned the comeback win over Lille, and I'm just curious how you assess that match. It was a comfortable win, um, but as we've seen since, Marseille have definitely fallen off. They they lost to a, I I don't even know what division that team is. Oh, they're um, in League Duh. Annecy is in League Duh. Yeah, they're like a, okay. they're like a mid-table League Duh team this year. Yeah, that was pretty embarrassing for pretty embarrassing loss, there. Yeah. Yeah, in the in the Coupe de France. So, you know, on one hand, we're like, oh my goodness, we we did great. Look at that performance, Messi and uh, Mbappe. And then you you kind of see how Marseille has fallen off. So, do you still kind of hold that win up like we did, maybe after the final whistle, and say like, oh, that was a a great win, something we can really hang our hat on? Or are you kind of like, well, I don't know. It was it kind of like fool's gold a little bit there. And so, um, how optimistic do you think fans should be following that match? You know, yeah, Marseille has definitely kind of fallen off since then. But I would say, I mean, they did have a loss to Nice at home in uh, in January, I think. But other than that, they had been uh, almost perfect at home for a long time. Um, yeah, they, they fell off. And, you know, there was a point where they were five points behind us and in the quarterfinals of the Coupe de France. And now they're out of the Coupe de France and they're eight points behind us uh, or something like that. So... That, yeah, it definitely shifted for them pretty quickly, but um, I would still be, I'd say that was a, I'd say it's a pretty good match. I wouldn't say that was a great match from us. 3-0 is a little deceiving. It could have been 4-1, or honestly, if everyone was clinical, it could have been 5-2. The defense still was not uh, perfect by any means, but uh, Donnarumma bailed us out twice, able to keep the clean sheet. And then the offense was was clicking. I mean, we really probably should have scored more than three so that is that is nice to see um marseille don't have the most threatening attack in the world uh alexis sanchez is not what he used to be and poor dimitri payette is uh he's just kind of coming off the bench for them at this point but i'd still feel pretty good about it uh, we i feel like the leal win was a bit of a you know that was a, a stop gap i guess you could say it kind of prevented further damage 
I mean, if we had lost that match against Lille, that would have been, you know, we hadn't lost a game at home since uh, April of 2021 against Man City, that uh, Champions League semifinal. And we would have made it two losses in a row at home if we hadn't had that Lille comeback. So I feel like that the the Lille game, we knew we played bad, but we still got the win. And then just continuing momentum uh, by by that really convincing and strong win at the Velodrome in Marseille. So I don't think this game against Nantes in a couple of days is going to change anything drastically unless there's a big injury. But I'd say these two games against, you know, pretty good opponents, it's a good, yeah, definitely something that we should be optimistic about. Yeah, and let's not forget going into that match against Marseille, you know, PSG were in first, Marseille second, and it was obviously closer than it is now, but a loss there could have really tightened up the the top of the table there. And so going, we didn't know what was going to happen to Marseille after that. As you mentioned, they were on a pretty good streak, and PSG were struggling a little bit. So there was a lot on the line there domestically, and, and PSG definitely uh, took care of business. Um, our friend um, at EHSAN underscore PSG, um on twitter they asked uh, a question for us and they wanted to know against bayern munich should psg play the same starting lineup that they put out there for the match against marseille and i'll just go through it real quick um it was Kylian mbappe messi up front then you had um nuno mendez and uh nordi mukiele uh, fullbacks kind of pushing up a little bit. Then you had Fabian Ruiz, Verratti, and Vitinha in the midfield. And then a back three of Kimpembe, Ramos, and Marquinhos. We're going to talk about Kimpembe a little bit later. Obviously, he's not going to be able to play against Bayern Munich. But what do you think about that starting lineup? There was It was obviously successful, especially with Messi and Mbappe. Would you put out the same starting lineup, obviously, minus Kimpembe? What do you think about that? Yeah, I probably would put out the same starting lineup. I know that a lot of guys like Ruiz and Vitinha were starting to get a lot of hate in January when when form dipped. Uh, but those are two guys, especially Vitinha for me. I've been really high on them. I really think that those that midfield three of Verratti, Vitinha, and Ruiz. I honestly think, and maybe this is a bit naive or optimistic of me, but you know, I am an optimist. I think that can be a midfield three that that wins the Champions League. Obviously, it's not a it's not as flashy as, you know, uh, uh, KCM, which doesn't exist anymore now at Real Madrid, you know, the midfield they had last year or some of these Barcelona midfields in the past. but Or I even PSG's like midfields in the past with Blaise Matuidi, uh, Thiago Mata. True. I feel like the, the, that midfield is much better than what we have now. Yeah, I would say that's probably the best midfield we've ever had, though, maybe barring the midfield that we had in the, uh, I don't know, from 1993 to 1990 five or six, you know, when we were winning trophies a lot, went to a Champions League semifinal and won the Europa League in the 90s. But other than that, yeah, this is probably the, if you're just talking eras-wise, you know, this this era of our current midfield this season, probably the third best that we've ever had in club history. I really rate Ruiz and Vitinha, um, and I think they are, um, I mean, we could see against Marseille, they were, they were clicking, and they felt confident. You could see it too. Vitinha's out here doing little skill moves, Ruiz kind of runs like a uh, like a newborn deer, but somehow he he makes it work. And uh, the guy is a little more shifty than he looks, even though, like I said, he he looks pretty funky running around on the pitch. But I would put out the same lineup. Obviously, you'll have to sub out uh, or put Danilo in for Kempembe, but 
other than that, probably identical for me. What about for you? Yeah, I mean, the trick is going to be what do you do with uh, Kempembe? So he's not going to be there. Do you do you bring Nuno Mendes back and maybe I don't know? Do you do you put in uh, Zaire Emery perhaps or Pembele? Um, I don't know. Do you, Pereira, you you could maybe, but not not there on the left hand side. I don't know. It's tricky. I, I think you're right. I, I probably would go with the same lineup, find a replacement for Kempembe there on the left side of the back three, and just kind of hope that Donnarumma has another fantastic match. He had several really solid saves in this game. He's been in a pretty decent run of form. He's a player who's caught a lot of flack, but if he can stand strong and and make a couple of really good saves, I think that'll give some momentum to the uh, the back three and and PSG as a whole. I feel like you know he could be a little shaky at times. Um, and then I thought Vitinha against Marseille had a really good game. Um, understated, but he didn't make any major mistakes, and he was just overall solid. Verratti is is great, and you know as we go into Bayern Munich, we just have to hope that he doesn't lose his head and nothing happens. If he plays against Knots coming up, hopefully he doesn't get injured or anything like that, or any player for that matter. But he really is the the pivotal player. Um, as I look at the bench and who's available, there's really no one there that I would say, yes, definitely throw them in there. They deserve a, a starting spot other than maybe Danilo. But, um, yeah, no yeah, one else could, is really. <laughs> yeah, you could also argue because Mukiele started against Marseille. Mm-hmm. You could argue that, you know, Hakimi obviously could too. Although I know that Hakimi is going to miss the game against Nantes in a couple days. And apparently I saw something on Twitter this morning that, Mukiele got a he's got a little calf injury so yeah the thing is with Hakimi and versus Mukiele is I feel like Mukiele is you know he's the perfect balanced uh, right back or fullback whereas Hakimi is not as good on defense but he's much better attacking so you just kind of have to find a balance there whatever Gaultier thinks he needs to do between playing more attacking if he thinks he needs to be using the fullbacks more and maybe having someone like Verratti not drop into a, a six position on defense, but a little more defensive, then we could start Hakimi. But if he wants the midfield to be advancing up the pitch a little more, then Mukiele will probably be the move. But that's probably the only thing that you could really debate. Yeah, and we should probably mention with Hakimi, um, there, he's been in the news. Um, he was uh, allegation made against him, and I believe in, he's been since indicted. Um uh, for rape um, he's denied these allegations his lawyer um, has said he'll be um, cleared of all these charges and they're just going through the formalities we're not going to get into a debate about that but with everything that has happened legally it, it, I think he can still travel to Germany uh, for the Bayern Munich game so um, he'll be available now where his head's going to be at with all the legal issues that are going on is yet to be seen but there's there's no question he he certainly makes PSG better when he's able to play and has a clear mind so I just wanted to if you're wondering if we're going to talk about that this is probably as much as you're going to get about that um, we're just going to let it play out through the courts and we'll see what happens so uh, but as far as on the pitch he should be available um, let's real quick um, Ethan let's talk about Kempembe because in this match against Marseille he goes down heartbreaking fashion um, we learned later it was a torn or ruptured. I'm not sure what the word is, but his Achilles, which is pretty devastating. They said that he's going to be out to, until probably this fall. I would say probably it's going to be a little longer. Um, a lot of times we see athletes with these injuries and, and they're out for at least a year. So um, 
his contract expires in 2024, I believe. He has no contract extension. I think PSG offered him one. But, Ethan, what should the club do with Presno Kempembe with this major injury? He's had a history of injuries, but he's come up through the academy. He's PSG through and through. I know what I would do, but I'm, I'm curious what you think the club should do with Presno Kempembe at this point. All right, yeah. So I, I have seen on Twitter kind of what you said in the last week or so about potentially extending Kempembe. But um, if, if I were the club, it's it's a little tough, but you kind of have to put a hold on contract negotiations now, uh, at least for the, you know, until you can see how he comes back from the injury. If he comes back from the injury and the guy just can't really move, he's just not confident with his feet and his legs and his footwork, then obviously that's a huge red flag. But at the same time, he is Kempembe. He's Presco. You know, he's our he's our he's one of our TTs. And it's just, it'd be really tough to let him go. So I, I do want to see how he comes back from the injury. Um, that said, people always just ask, I feel like, uh, especially on social media, people just ask really vague questions like, should we extend him? Should we let him go? And people always just give a, a guess or a no, but it's definitely black and white because how much money is he going to ask for? What is he going to demand? I don't know what he's on right now. Probably about 10 to 15 mil a year uh, as far as salary-wise. If he's going to be asking for 20 uh, and we're not going to know what he's looking like coming back from this injury, then I don't think you can justify re-signing him. But if, if he really wants to get an extension done before he's back from his injury, if we can get him to negotiate for a couple million less than what he's on right now, then then great. I just don't see him agreeing to that, you know. So it's there's there's a gray area. Um, although I would love to keep him at the at the club. I'm I'm really partial to guys who I'm really partial to French players and especially guys who came through the academy. So I just I feel like we need him there, you know. There there aren't enough guys at PSG right now that'll play for the badge. And he's definitely one of them. So, but then again, you know, at, at what cost? We can't be. Uh, this isn't the Leonardo charity show anymore. We got to be smart with the the money we're handing out in these contracts. But yeah, what's your take on it? Yeah, I know the the whole charity thing. It you don't want to get into that as the club and just throw money away, especially with financial fair play. Looking at PSG a little closer these days. Um, but yeah, I think. He's been at the club. He's come up through the ranks, and he, he just, you know, we saw him. I forget what match it was. It was a difficult loss, and he's out there with the megaphone talking to the ultras, saying they're going to work harder and all that kind of stuff. I mean, he really is a leader, even if he's not officially the captain. So with all that being said, I would like to see PSG offer him something to keep him at the club to uh, ease his mind during his recovery. Um, I'm fine if that contract or whatever it is they offer him has um, incentives in it. So if you play in X, if you start in X amount of games, we bump up your salary. If not, this is sort of the baseline and maybe it's really low. What I don't want to see happen is he just his time just kind of fizzles out. Um, he's in the training room getting, you know, recovering and then he just kind of leaves quietly and we never see him again and he's playing, you know, in Belgium or something like that. Like I feel like that would be a very sad end for a player who probably could have left um, when he was I mean He's been with the the French national team, which is not an easy side to get into. So I'd hate for that to happen. He just kind of leaves quietly and with kind of like a just thud. So if PSG can give him a contract 
with some incentives. And on the flip side, we have seen athletes come back. You know, I, I watch a lot of basketball and you think about, I believe Kevin Durant had something similar. Uh, was it Clay Thompson's had say something similar? I think even Kobe Bryant had an Achilles. So, and these are all players that have come back and were able to perform at a high level. And so I think Kempembe can, it's going to be a lot of work. And so I, I think if PSG can show some, some goodwill, give them a contract with some incentives, let's see how he recovers. I think that'll go a long way in the dressing room. We saw all the players on social media. He's clearly a player who's loved. They want him there. I think it'll go a long way with the players in the team already. And also around Europe. I mean, PSG kind of has this um, kind of this feeling of other players think you just go there for the money and, and what have you. I think this would show a little bit more of a human side to them that they actually care about players and, and maybe that will entice some players abroad that want to give PSG a, a chance and maybe come here and play. So I think a lot more can a lot more good things can come from giving Kempembe a contract than saying, Nope, you're injured now, sorry, and uh see you later after next season. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah, that's I, I definitely get that. That uh yeah, just, uh, I like that line that you gave. Uh, show a little bit of a human side to the club uh, yeah it, a lot of people who aren't PSG fans they do kind of just look at PSG as a uh, you know a, a money-making machine we're just out here for the marketing money and uh, but no I, I yeah I agree I think that he he needs to stay at the club it's just whether and you know I think he probably I, I think he loves PSG too much if he got what is probably deemed a fair contract to kind of turn it down. I don't see him as a guy who's really going to chase the bag going in, you know, going to Spain or England. I know he's briefly talked about, uh, you know, playing abroad and I'm not, I don't think he'll be a one club man for us. I think eventually he will leave and go somewhere, but I agree. I think it'd be too early. And uh, yeah, he's such an important, if you just look at, look at Instagram posts and you look at, you know what the what the players put on their social media and what they say in interviews, uh, especially for all the young guys for for the entire uh, what what we call the elite group of all the young guys. The TDs like uh, 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 Kari, uh, Il- Ilias Husni, uh, Warren Zion Emery, all those guys, Bichiabu, all those dudes. It's like most of them almost see Kempembe as a as a father figure in a little bit. So, yeah, I agree. I think he he needs to stay. Uh, I just don't think we can um, submit to, uh, you know, if he's going to ask for some ridiculous salary, we can't be giving that out. Uh, but, you know, I trust Campos to not do that. Like I said, Leonardo's not here. So, yeah, that's all I, that's, that's all I, all I got for that. Yeah, now those are excellent thoughts. Let's stick with the injury bug here for a second because you were at the match where Neymar goes down against Lille, um, turned his ankle what else is new? Um, and he goes down, obviously in a lot of pain. Don't think it's anything broken, sprain, high ankle sprain, whatever you want to call it. Um, he's been trying to get back. There was some optimism he might be back for the Bayern Munich match, but Gaultier, I saw today, has um, essentially ruled him out against Bayern Munich. So I caught some flack from uh, all of Neymar's admirers on Twitter for kind of being critical for him going to McDonald's after the loss to Bayern. Um, he had 
Neymar had posted a picture of him with like a boot around his ankle or something. And I said, oh, I, I hope McDonald's delivers. So maybe not the best thing I, I tweeted. Um, but yeah, a lot of uh, Neymar fans got after me for that one. I've sort of come to the point where I'm just kind of tired of Neymar at this point. Great player. When he's healthy, he does um, contribute at a, at a very high level. He's just not reliable. Literally every February, and I'm not going to get into the stupid memes and rumors about why he's injured in February, but every season when we need him, when it's the Champions League, he's out. He's injured. One time we've had him, and we made it to the Champions League final. So, like, I'm with you. Great player. He is just, for the amount of money that we spend on him, and I say we like it's my money at PSG, but the amount of money that PSG spends on him to not have him for the second half of the season, I, I unfortunately, I think he's got to go this summer. You know, cut your losses. If Chelsea want to pay 50, 60 for him, I, I'd sell him. I, I've just, I've had enough. I've had enough of like the nonsense on social media. He's not available. Um, but, you know, he rolls his ankle for Brazil in the World Cup and psh, Sure as shit, he's back there in the, in the knockout stage ready to go. But here we are, Bayern Munich, and he can't play. So I'm just over it. I'm curious what you think uh, about the whole Neymar situation. Yeah, that's funny that uh, you kind of got roasted on Twitter <laughs> for the McDonald's photo. Um, that I think, yeah, that was right after the Bayern match, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, and it was after Mbappe was like, we need to get some sleep. We need to uh, eat better. And then Neymar's out here playing poker till like 2 in the morning and then going to McDonald's with his friends and – I mean, don't get me wrong. I love me some McDonald's, but like, if I'm an athlete and, and my teammate just said that, I'm not having my friends post a picture of me and post it on social media. It's like, just be smarter, read the room, and you can't do it. And I'm just, I'm just frustrated. I'm like, you're good, but you're not that good anymore, and you're not available half the time. So, I think it's time for him to go. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. I was talking to my buddy after that because we were, uh, yeah, after the match, uh, the Bayern match, we just kind of walked around town and. We were we were out pretty late, just kind of hanging out at uh, whatever uh, kind of quiet bars were still open in, in Paris. But we did see that photo as we were getting getting back for the night, and uh, yeah, it was his reaction. You know, he's he's Parisian. He's a big uh, you know Mbappe guy, and and as as you you know you side with a lot of Parisians on this. A lot of them are also kind of done with Neymar and. He was pretty upset about that. I, I don't think, you know, in the in the days after that, we we kind of saw. I don't think that Mbappe was personally directing that at him, uh, but it's it's just still not a good look. And he may not have even been eating there. Maybe he wasn't. It's just still not a good look. Um, you know, there's this quote I saw on. Uh, someone said this right after that photo was taken. It was uh, who who needs enemies when you've got friends like Neymar's to post those kind of photos. Uh, That's a yeah, great just, quote. Just, yeah, it is. I don't know who said that, but uh, someone out there. But yeah, it's just yeah, I, I, that's just not what you want to see. And then I'm trying to think, what were some of the other uh, points you're giving? You know, as far as uh, yeah, Neymar staying or leaving, I, I'm I'm really torn. Uh, I actually, uh, I think I, I posted something about two weeks ago, where this was before the injury, and I think this may have even been before the. Uh, the first leg, the Bayern match. But I said, you know, I've been back and back and forth on this for a while, but I think I've kind of decided I do want Neymar to stay, uh, but I do not think all of Eminem can stay at PSG. So that's why I, at least right now, I'm on the uh, the train of not extending Messi, 
but it's it is just tough because just the dynamic of all three of them and where all of them are at in their careers you know you've got let's let's say i i think someone said um you know when you you put out on twitter a couple hours ago you know everyone posts your questions that you want us to answer um, someone that follows me i can't remember who it is i don't have my phone in front of me but someone said you know do the keep uh uh keep or sell uh, edition for eminem so if you don't mind i'm just going to jump into that and then i want to see what what you want to say about it but um, i mean the pros and cons of well keeping mbappe obviously he's probably the best player in the world but we could make 250 million or more off of him if we sell him neymar could make you know 50 to 80 mil and get that big contract off the books but i feel like he of all the three of them wants to leave paris the least so i actually said this uh, just earlier today if if neymar leaves in the summer and chelsea pay whatever for him i we're it's going to be because we probably forced him out and it's i just feel like it's going to be a really ugly way to end his his tenure in in paris because i think he wants to stay at the club probably more than than the other two um and i am uh, just not sure that i don't know it's just tough to say when he loves the club I, so much i i don't know if it's love i think it's that he, he knows he's injury prone now he knows that he doesn't have his pick of any team that he wants to go to. And if he does go to Chelsea, look at all the players they just signed and they all play pretty much the same position that he does. And they probably don't get injured as much. And I think he knows that PSG, he has a lot of power and he can say, I want to play and he can choose the coach or have some influence in that. If he goes somewhere else, he, he may be riding the bench. He may not get played that much. He, you know, the manager may not like him. He he probably doesn't want to go to the premier league. So you know, a few years ago, he was all happy to leave. He said he wasn't happy and he wanted to go back to Barcelona. And now he's yeah. like, no, I want to stay. Well, yeah, I know why you want to stay. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I guess I didn't think about it in that light too much. But um, I don't know. And then just if we don't extend Messi, um, then, you know, we'll lose out on some some marketing revenue. But I think we need to move away from being a, a, a marketing club, basically, you know. That era has has come and gone. Where we it is going to be interesting. I don't know if you saw right before we started recording, and we're recording here on Friday, March third, um, that Messi was sitting down with the club media for an interview, and and there's some speculation about is he announcing what he's doing with his future, whether it's a contract extension or if this is his last year. We'll have to see, but there is there's some message coming from Messi here in the next hours or days. Yeah, I, I actually did see that. I didn't really think much of it, but. Uh, I did see that he posted that, but gosh, I don't know. I just think, um, I don't know, you know, I guess I'm so wishy-washy on this situation where I said a couple couple weeks ago that, you know, I wanted Mbappe and Neymar to stay, and now just with this injury and everything, I don't know, it's so hard to say. I think Mbappe needs to stay. If we're going to end up losing him on a free to, you know, whoever, probably Real Madrid in the future, then so be it but um i i feel like it's it's tough to figure out because i think most people would agree given our our wage bill situation and um, that i don't think we can keep all three of them i I know personally me i'm really big into the finances of of football and if you just look at our wage bill uh through so until the season that we made the final you know uh in 2020 uh, all the years prior our wage bill was actually a pretty at a pretty healthy number, you know, as far as uh, the ratio of, of revenue to uh, club expenses. 
But in the last two years or three years, coincidentally, right as Leonardo came back, um, I'm a big Leonardo hater, if anyone doesn't know that. Um, but right as Leonardo came back, then all of a sudden, this uh, these expenses kind of outweighed the, the revenue. So I just think what we're doing right now is unsustainable. Campos is really good at managing money. He's very frugal, and I think that's a really good thing. But I feel like one of them has got to go. And, you know, whoever you want that to be, that's up to you. Obviously, you want it to be Neymar. Other people are going to be messy. Some people even want Mbappe out. But um, I don't know. It's a tough thing that the club's going to have to wrestle this summer, I think. Yeah, I can't imagine Mbappe leaving. If, if you know, if I was playing this game, keep Mbappe, sell Neymar to anyone who wants to write a check, and then let Messi go. Let both of them go. I say uh, Sergio Ramos, he can go as well. Um, let's just look down the starting. Let's yeah, just look okay, down so the lineup. I mean, you do, really, you do want you do want Messi to leave then? I, Messi's got to go. Neymar's uh, yeah, got to go. Ramos has got to go. I agree. Um, it's probably easier to say who I wouldn't want to leave. Mbappe, stay. Keep yeah. him to the end of the contract. Um, Hakimi, hopefully the legal issues go away. But I, I don't. He, I think he's untouchable as mm-hmm. a right back. I think he's probably top five, maybe top three. Nuno Mendes, I think he's the best left back in in the world right now. I would keep him. Those are really my only. And even Verratti, I would let go for the right price just because it, he's he's just unreliable. Wow. Skilled as he is. I mean, if Pep Guardiola wants to come in and, and Go. I think this team needs a complete rebuild, and those are the only three players, Mbappe, Hakimi, and Mendes, that I would keep. Donnarumma, love him. Uh, someone wants to come in and, and pay us for him, take him. It needs a complete a complete rebuild, and I would do it through the academy, through League on players, and some young players. Uh, you know, Manu Kone has been linked with PSG. He played in League on before. I would build through players like that. Bring back Musa Diaby. If you can, um, that's how I would build this team. But those are the only three players that I think don't even call me about. They're not. I'm not selling them. Wow, I I didn't <laughs> expect you to say all of those. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I I definitely think you know Neymar or Messi needs to leave, and I'm definitely open to both leaving this summer. Yeah, Ramos, I'd get rid of. I know he's just starting to find his form, but you know he's like oh. third. He's like 38. So what were you saying? Yeah, I, I should probably also throw in uh, Kimpembe. I wouldn't, I wouldn't sell him, even if someone came in, because I think if he can get back to where he was, great. If not, he's going to be leading my academy. I'm going to make him a coach, and he's going to help with the academy and help the players stick around and share his love for Paris with those kids so that they don't leave abroad. So I would also keep Kimpembe. Yeah, that's a good but, idea. Just but Marquinhos, like a... he hasn't been great, and if he's not yeah. going to play defensive midfield or anything for the right price, I would sell him too. Dang, wow, that's pretty harsh. I feel like if we did all that, it would take a, a lot of squad rebuilding like this summer. And um, But no, I, I, I agree. Kempembe, I would like to see him be a one-club man and stay the whole time and be just like uh, Kamara, who's the current uh, coach of the under-23 team. He's, he's a guy kind of like that. I don't know if Kamara came up through the youth academy, but he's been at PSG for so long. And yeah, he gives sort of similar vibes to Kempembe. Um, you know, loves the, the the youth players. So I agree, but uh, I'm probably keeping Marquinhos. I'm I'm probably keeping Verratti. I mean, unless someone's going to seriously overpay, which, you know, I, I don't, I wouldn't expect that for any of these guys. But I feel like for the wage bill, mm-hmm. if we get rid of one or two of, you know, Neymar and or Messi, get rid of Ramos. Uh, and then, I mean, most of the guys that we have on loan right now, we're not going to be able to sell most of them. 
when they come back, let's be honest. I think Campos probably knew that, though. He's just trying to minimize the damage that Leonardo did. But, you know, if we can sell guys like, uh, man, if we could sell guys like Icardi, I know Paredes is certainly coming back. Um, I, I kind of think it was funny as uh, I don't think we talked a bunch of transfer uh, business. Well, I guess we can't because we didn't do any. Uh, I guess we didn't talk lack of transfer business. But uh, other than the the Ziek thing uh, falling through at the last minute because Chelsea uh, basically sabotaged it. Uh, we basically gave Andre Herrera to Athletic Club Bilbao. Uh, we gave him to, him to them. Uh, we didn't get a transfer fee, but um, I just think, uh, yeah, the the business decisions that that Campos is going to have to make this summer to create a sustainable, you know, environment, sustainable squad here. Yeah, it's going to be pretty pretty interesting. I I don't even really like to speculate, you know, oh who who might we bring in. In the summer or who's who's going to leave it's easier to talk about who might leave but to talk about who might come in in the summer there are just there's hundreds of options we have no idea where campus is head at but uh it, it is a little easier to talk about you know who we want to uh kind of get the hell out of here and um but yeah i just think things got to change i don't know if i would do a complete rebuild um i actually did kind of say that after the marseille cup defeat last month uh, but I think I was being a bit reactionary. But, um, yeah, I, I, I personally, I disagree with you there. Not mm-hmm. a complete overhaul, uh, but I do think probably four of our 10 highest paid players got to go. Yeah, that'll certainly help with the wage bill. And, you know, we're going to have Leandro Paredes. I think I saw Juventus isn't going to, you know, buy him after the loan. We have Julian Draxler. He'll come back, um, you know. Javi Simmons, I think he's a player. It was a free transfer, but I think he can come back to PSG. He's the type of player that I would like to see come back and we build up. Um, you know, it might take a couple of years. Maybe we miss out on the Champions League for a season. But, like, I, I just, you know, you look at Arsenal, for example. They've been down for a little while. Um, Arteta has been building, signing the right players, bringing up the youth. And, and now, look, they're top of the Premier League table. That's yeah, what I want to see. That's what I want to see done. And Paris has much better talent to choose from, and they they have the resources more than Arsenal. So that that's the sort of rebuild project that I want to see. I think a lot of the ultras would prefer that instead of these like signing superstars. But I think we are getting away from that era. There really are no superstars bigger than Messi and Neymar. So like, who else are you going to get? So I think let's Campos. Bring it back to reality. Let's sort out some of these players that are coming back. Let's get rid of them. Get rid of the the high wage earners, and let's just be much much smarter with the funds that we have. Um, Ethan, we're coming up on time. We got several more topics to cover here, so um, let's keep it moving. I want to to ask about speaking of money, Qatar. Um, there's been a bid from um, our ownership group. They want to um, they want to buy Manchester United. We don't have to spend a ton of time on this because it's not Manchester United talk. But what are some of the ramifications that you can see occurring uh, to PSG if they uh, are essentially maybe a sister club of Manchester United, but they both share the same owner group? How do you how do you feel about that? And what do you think the ramifications could be for PSG? Less money to spend potentially. Well, I've never been the biggest QSI guy, um, and I, I've heard so many conflicting reports. I've, I've heard that um, 
the the group that bid on United. They're Qatari, but they're not basically QIA or QSI. Um, I tried to look into this, but um, it's hard to keep track of of all the the guys yeah, in the it's, Qatari it's government the, over there. So yeah, it's the same. It's like it's, I, I think I think the guy that that technically is the one that bid on United is the one that uh, I think he is a nephew or an uncle to the current Amir, but I don't think he's in I the government. I think he's a son. I think he's a son. Yeah. And I think you're right. It's not like Qatar sports investments. It's like different, but like at the end of the day, it's basically the country of Qatar. <laughs> Is it? Okay. I, I was wondering about that. I'm really not sure, but if that's the case, then mm, I mean, like I'm looking at an article here, and it's like father of Qatari Manchester United bitter. Uh, Sheikh Yassim admits he doesn't like the investment and isn't even a football fan, but says his son is still pushing hard to get a 4.5 billion pound deal done. So yeah, it's definitely Qatari. Mm. It may not be the exact ownership group that we have. It may not be an organization. It could be just a guy uh, over there that just has a lot of money from his parents that's trying to buy the club, but. I, I don't know. How, how do you feel about that? So just looking at some of like Twitter, some of them are all for it. Manchester United fans. Some of them are like, no, look at PSG. All that money doesn't mean anything. Um, I don't know. Just kind of general thoughts about that. Yeah. General thoughts. Uh, money does not buy wins in football. Um, I think we've seen that. I think Chelsea the last two months has seen that. I think Man City has seen that. Um, so I don't, it, it is weird though. Um, I, I don't know if we've seen anything quite like this. I mean, you look at the Red Bull group with Leipzig and Salzburg, it's not quite the same because you wouldn't call Salzburg a Champions League contender or a potential Champions League contender. Whereas if they had United and us, obviously they've got two of the two of the top eight teams in the world probably. So I I don't know. If 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 QSI wants to buy United then I wouldn't mind if they sold us. Yeah, we might have less money. We might, you know, but there there are plenty of rich owners out there. Um, and I I don't know. It just feels like they'd be kind of, uh, excuse my language, but kind of half-assing it. I don't want them to be half-assing it with both both clubs if they're really going to want to have both clubs. So Only full asses. That's all we want. Exactly, yeah. Full so asses I, I don't PSG. Know. I, I haven't thought much about it, but I guess that's kind of the only – the only thoughts I have so far. Well, let, let me sticking with ownership and injuries and, and, and police incidents and all this. Um, James Teague over on the discord, he uh, helps us run our discord server and um, he's been on the show a few times. Hey James, if you're listening. So he wants to know with all the noise around player transgressions and board member transgressions. And I think he's referring to, we haven't even talked about this one, but Nasser Al-Khalifi being accused of kidnapping and torturing a journalist. Again, we're not going to get into these, but he allegedly did that as he's being accused of this. So that's what he's pointing to there with the board member transgressions. And he wants to know um, at what point does it become enough to question the ownership of the club? Is there a time when the money is not worth it and allow the fans to just be conscious about the football and winning Europe's most coveted prize? So basically he's saying with all this going on, it's constantly off the pitch stuff and like really serious stuff, like kidnapping a journalist and torture, um, allegedly. Um, at, at some point, 
do you think the fans need to, and I know there's been some protests, but like, do we really need to ratchet this thing up and, and get a new ownership group in here? Um, what say you? Oh, that, that is hard to say. Um, especially because if, if a protest were, was going to come out, it would be from, uh, the ultras in Paris, you know, cause they, we, uh, we've seen how active they can be on certain topics in the past, but it, you, you asked, when does all this become uh, not worth it as far as the bunny? And for me personally, I almost think, well, I mean, I don't think, you know, going back to the Hakimi thing for a second, um, I don't believe that, you know, those the, the accusation is true. But if it is true, then obviously we've got serious problems because that's just not acceptable in, in any form. If this thing with Nasser is true if he actually kidnapped and tortured a journalist that's obviously not acceptable either uh, it would be almost it would be a really weird thing because he's you know seen he's the president he's basically he's he's viewed as the owner even though he's not but if if this kind of stuff is true uh me personally i'm almost at the end of my rope with this kind of stuff and i was i was kind of asking for uh ownership changes a couple years ago I feel like that kind of died down the last, uh, you know, the last year or two. But I am definitely welcome, or I'm I'm open to welcoming in a new ownership group. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, just like you said, I, I don't think the the money is is worth it anymore. You know, there there are things that are bigger than football. You know, we'd love to see PSG open up a European dynasty, but if it's going to be at that cost. I mean, you look back at the only only Champions League title that a, a French club has won. Marseille essentially uh, essentially purchased theirs. You know, their president was uh, involved in bribery of um, you know Liga and Champions League uh, opponents. Um, they were a very sleazy organization, and um, on top of that, their players admitted to that the club had a performance enhancing. Uh, drug a PED program at the club uh, if PSG are going to win the Champions League and there's going to be this weird asterisk on it like that like Marseille did with all of these you know these cheating things that they were found guilty of or all these you know public uh, scandals then yeah I don't want it I'd rather not win the Champions League ever than be having this dynasty that's going to have this kind of stuff around it so that's that's my take on it what's yours yeah, I'm with you. You know, starting with Hakimi, if it comes out that it's true and, and you know, the, the courts prove that out, then I, I think you got to figure out a way out of that contract and separate yourself. Same thing with Nasser. If there's even a shred of truth to this, he's got to go. And like you, I think I'm at the end of my rope. It kind of ties into my no player other than those couple are untouchable. I think a complete rebuild is necessary, and I don't think Qatar will do that. I don't think they want to be out of the Champions League. Uh, for any length of time, even a season. So I don't think we'll get a complete rebuild under them, even though I think it's necessary. And yeah, I think it what's what makes this tricky is that if you if 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 QSI are forced to sell, right? Who who's gonna come in and, and buy? This club has been valued at billions and billions of dollars. Um who's gonna come in and buy that for a club in the fifth best? league maybe six best uh, mm-hmm. after this season um yeah. in europe who's gonna who's gonna do that i i don't know you don't really have the, the the marketing and all that behind like you do with the premier league 
So who's going to buy that? You have no penetration really in America through BN Sports. I just wouldn't think it's a great investment. You'd have to find basically another country to come in and buy PSG uh, for sports watching purposes because no no savvy investor is going to be like, yeah, that, that makes good sense um, because very few have the kind of um, – pockets deep pockets like Qatar does so they're not going to be able to put as much money into it you're not going to be able to get Messi Neymar and Mbappe and 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 receive all the um, marketing benefits from that so and in, and then in addition to that you have I think the Super League is a very real thing that's going to be coming and if we do get another owner who maybe doesn't have his deep pockets who isn't as willing to spend do we get left out of the Super League and then are we just some middling team you know like PSG were before QSI, and they had their ups and downs, but let's just be frank. I mean, PSG were not world beaters. They weren't a European superpower like they are now. Do we get left behind in the, in the Super League, and then we're tuning in, watching some young French players doing well? Maybe we have a season you know, here and there where we do well, and then we have to sell them to stay you know, financially viable. It's kind of like, do you, do you want to take the bad and get all the benefits of Super League, Champions League, titles, and all that, or go another route and do a rebuild and and get maybe an owner that's a little bit more financially responsible and and maybe once or twice a decade we get to have that kind of excitement that we're experiencing almost every season now. It's something I think fans are going to have to come to grips with. And I think I would be okay with different ownership and and watching a team and being left out of Champions League and Super Leagues and all that um, if it means we can build the right team and not have all of these headaches. I speak for myself. It sounds like you're kind of leaning that way too, but a lot of fans, maybe not. Maybe they don't feel like that. It's a it's a difficult question to answer. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I don't think most fans would probably share our sentiment, uh, or at least international PSG fans. I think a lot of Parisian supporters would, although, yeah, like you said, it would be tough if we ever had to go back to the colony capital days, 2000 and I know they were there before, but like 2004 to 2008, those were some some rough times in fighting club history. Relegation, yeah, fighting know. relegation twice. One, one, you know, in 2008, avoided relegation on the final day. You know, if if we had scored one less goal and Lons had scored one extra goal in their match, then we would have been relegated in 2008. Um, yeah, it would be really tough to go that way, I guess. Uh, you know, I guess we didn't. We I didn't think we were going to get so. Uh, I guess what is existential the the phrase on this episode, but yeah, this is kind of the turn it took. But um, you know, I, I agree. I don't think you know. And then again, I'm an optimist, but I don't see PSG getting left out, especially if a uh, a Super League starts pretty soon. Even if we get an owner in the next couple of years who isn't as willing to spend, I mean. Because we've had rich owners. Colony Capital Capital was actually pretty loaded. Uh, Canal Plus before that had a lot of money. Not quite the money as QSI, but um, other than when the club was socio-owned in the 70s, PSG have actually had pretty rich owners uh, comparative to other clubs uh, for their whole history. But you're right. QSI was the only one that was super willing to come in and spend but I would see it hard for us getting left out of a Super League in the next couple of years, even if we changed owners, just because even if the finances kind of go away, if, if our wage bill is cut to half or a third of what it is now, we're still going to be, um, most years, we're still going to be finishing top three in Liga and qualifying for the 
the Champions League. But I don't know. Maybe that's the optimist in me. But um, yeah, I guess that's all I got to say on that. Yeah, it's one thing to have rich owners. It's another one. Um, it's another thing to have a rich owner who wants to spend and puts people in place that can spend that money wisely. Um, it's difficult to find owners like that. You know, Chelsea are experiencing that now. It's like, great, you have a rich owner who can spend, but do you really need seven players that cost $80 million that play the same position? I don't know. I don't think you do. Um, so we'll have to see how that all shakes out. Uh, Ethan, we're coming up on time. I want to get your prediction for PSG versus Bayern. We may or may not talk before then. Um, we talked about maybe doing a Twitter Spaces, but let's just get you on the record now because, you know, life happens. So let's get you on the record, and I'll do the same. What is your prediction? PSG at Bayern Munich down 1-0 on aggregate. What happens? Yeah, I'm an optimist, so I'm going uh, 2-1 at Bayern. Or or three one, but if it's two one, it goes to extra time. I am gonna I'm gonna give us the advantage on penalties, even though uh, you know we won't have Neymar, best penalty taker in the world. I'm yeah, like I said, I'm uh, confident in the team, feeling pretty good now. I'm gonna go if we get by, it's gonna be by a goal or penalties. Ooh, I like that. Okay. Well, and we're, we're kind of overlooking uh, Saturday's match tomorrow, um, March 4th, against Nantes at home at the park. I'm, I'm thinking a lot of uh, PSG starters might get a few minutes in that one, maybe play a half, 45 minutes, something like that, uh, maybe an hour, and then make their way off just to save their legs. So um, PSG versus Bayern. I'm usually the one who's optimistic on these things. I just can't see it happening. I just can't. I, I think the only way it happens is if Mbappe plays out of his mind. If him and Messi link up against, um, like they did against Marseille, and they can do that against Bayern, I think we got a chance. I think PSG does score. They do score. I just think Bayern at home with that momentum and PSG's shaky defense, I, I think that they're also going to score. So I could see this one ending 1-1, and then Bayern would go through. 2-1. That's that's how I'm seeing this one. I hope I'm wrong, but um, for once, I'm going to be a little bit negative on this. I think PSG crash out. It will give Mbappe the goal um, for PSG, but it's not going to be enough. And I think we're also going to see a little controversy. We saw in the first match, uh, PSG had a couple of goals that were disallowed due to VAR. I think this one, I think PSG are going to get screwed um, somehow, some way. And we'll have that as a talking point for the next show. So that's my prediction, Ethan. <laughs> hmm. All right. Yeah, that's, you know, I was thinking from the first leg, it should have ended 1-1. You know, Nuno being fractionally offside on that goal, you know, was the only reason that game didn't end as a draw. offside by a kneecap. Yeah, a kneecap, you know, it <laughs> happens. But um, I I still think, uh, I don't know. I don't think Nagelsmann is, is any, uh, you know, this is not 2020 Bayern. Uh, this is not, you know, and I, I'm actually, I kind of follow Stuttgart in the Bundesliga a little bit, and their next match is against Bayern. So the next two Bayern matches will be against two teams that I follow closely, obviously PSG, I, who I love. But I'll get to see their, you know, how they do against a team battling relegation in the Bundesliga uh, tomorrow. And I, I don't know, I um, I feel pretty good about our, our chance, I mean, I feel like the, the first leg should have ended 1-1. And if if we're cooking, I know that, you know, people are going to say Bayern will also come out 
probably cooking, but I just feel, you know, we look at the last half hour, what Mbappe was doing. So if that good. had been the game for 90 minutes, we probably score two or three. I, we're going to get him for 90 minutes. I, I don't think the the guys are necessarily scared of Allianz, you know, arena or stadium, whatever the technical name is. I And we've seen, I, you did say, if Mbappe has a phenomenal game, yeah, then I think we got a chance. I feel like Mbappe is a bit of, the last two years, he's a big game player. Uh, at the at the new camp a couple years ago, um, against Real Madrid in both legs last year, scored our only goals, should have had three or four goals over the tie. I feel like he is that big game player. I, I expect him to do that. You're right, though. If he falls short and he doesn't have a great game, we're we're definitely getting eliminated. But I feel like just we're I feel like we're going to see another Champions League away game masterclass from the current best player in the world. That's just. I feel like I'm almost just expecting it now. I I really really hope you're right. One thing that I also hope to see is the the PSG fans who travel. I hope they hold up banners complaining about the price of everything from parking oh to the bratwurst gosh. to the beers. That I've is never so funny. seen the German fans complain about the prices of everything. I wish they would come to the United States. You and I are, are you know college football fans and football fans. If they only knew how much it costs for a season ticket at at some of these, you know, mm-hmm. USC or somebody. I mean, yeah. th- they were complaining about 70 euro for a Champions League ticket. It's like, sit yeah. down. I, I actually didn't see that in the stadium. Uh, they were kind of to the side of me, and I could only kind of, yeah. I didn't have a great angle at, at all their TIFOs and banners. But uh, I think at the end of the game, uh, yeah, my buddy and I saw that. We're thinking, wow, their their tickets were only 70 euros, huh? <laughs> I, I, I wish our tickets had only been 70 euros. Ours were much higher than that. Uh, yeah, that would be funny if we came complaining about the bratwurst and the, you know, oh, the bratwurst was four euros, not three. Yeah, yeah. that would be funny. It's just, they are just worse than my grandparents complaining about like a cell phone bill. Just everything. The Anyway, I digress. So, uh, Ethan, let's go ahead and get out of here. I'll let the folks listening know how they can find you on Twitter. Yeah, on Twitter, it's at PSG underscore Boise. Fantastic. And if you follow me, I always retweet Ethan. So you'll see him pop up there. And uh, just a couple quick shout outs. Um, if you haven't been to PSGtalk.com, make sure you get over there, especially every Monday. Um, Jonathan Johnson, who's a uh, journalist for CBS Sports, covering all things PSG, French football, Champions League. Uh, we brought him on board. He's writing a column for us. And uh, so go over there and check out what he's got to say. And we've got some other things in the in the works, but I can't talk about it uh, right now. But we're working on improving the site, bringing you all the interesting PSG stuff uh, that you're craving. Hopefully you enjoy this podcast. Thank you as always for listening. Make sure you subscribe. Leave us a little review if you listen on um, Apple, is that, if that's where you get your podcast. So anyway, I'm Ed. Follow me at PSG Talk. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye, everyone.